Hello and welcome to the Living Hope Wesleyan podcast. If you would like more information about Living Hope Wesleyan Church, please visit our website at hopeforvermont.org. As well as if you're enjoying these podcasts, check out the live streams at Hope for Vermont on YouTube. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Uh, as we continue, we are looking at Hebrews, Hebrews 7, uh, 1 through 10 today. And if you have a Bible, certainly feel free to uh, grab one, pick one up. You don't have to, but it might help bring some uh, clarity to what's taking place as we read Scripture. See what I did there? Chance and clarity. Clarity talked about reading the Bible, finding answers. And yes, reading the Bible certainly does bring more clarity. As we look at uh, Hebrews 7, 1 through 10, we're just going to begin with, um, my apologies, we're going to begin with uh, verse 1, and it says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Then Melchizedek, this is from Genesis 14, 18 through 20. This is what Hebrews is referring to. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Uh, Mom, that wine may have meant fruit of the vine that we talk about. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And I know some of you now are like, oh, a tenth is going to be about tithing. Well, we're going to address that. We're going to talk about that. But let me read once more. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings, which can be a little confusing. So you can open up a history book or a uh, study Bible. You can find a commentary and research the Bible deeper to gain greater context and understanding of the setting, the characters. We're learning about that Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, how to read the Bible, facilitated by Tim Horton, and so we just encourage you, if you would like to become a part, that's 7 o'clock via Zoom, and Tim Horton's facilitating. But let me move on. And blessed him, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means, what does that mean? King of righteousness, then also King of Salem, which means King of peace. So we look now that the name Melchizedek, king of righteousness, what is righteousness? Doing what is right. Doing what is right based on what? Based on who Jesus is, based on scripture, based on the gospel story we now know from Genesis through Revelation. How to live righteously, how to do what is right, what is to do based on the I hate to say confines, but boundaries or structures of Jesus' will for you. There is, well, a concern that some boundaries are being moved. Now, if I'm playing basketball, I will understand that there's a three-point line for high school, a three-point line for international or college, and then a different three-point line for the NBA, for professional. And that boundary, that guideline really is not the guideline that I'm focused on or worried about. You need to be aware of it, but if that changes, that's okay. But it's the sideline, the end line, the baseline. You don't want to step on the line because in basketball, it's out of bounds. Soccer, you can roll the ball off the line all day. 
but you want to know the rules. You want to know those boundaries. So if you touch the line in soccer, then it is in play. But if you touch the line in basketball, it is out of play and considered a turnover. We need to understand how to live righteously, not based on what you think it should be, not based on your experience or what you've learned or understood, but based on the truth of who Jesus is as revealed through scripture, as revealed by the presence of his spirit, as we learn and grow together as the body of Christ. We meet together, we listen, we talk, we learn, we unlearn what we thought was right to relearn what is correct according to scripture. This Melchizedek was known as the king of righteousness. Perhaps I say this a bit in jest or tongue in cheek because it's so obvious, a foreshadowing of Jesus. This is how scripture reveals Jesus from Genesis through Revelation. Also, king of peace, king of peace. I apologize, hit the wrong button. King of peace, king of Salem. Isn't it interesting that Salem, Massachusetts is known for the Salem witch hunts, known for witchcraft, known for this time period in our history. And in Salem, witch hunts was not a time of peace, but a time of controversy, a time of frustration, a time of of evil taking place. But Jesus is saying, taking words, and you could say, Jeff, you're taking this out of context. And yes, I'm making a point. I'm not saying directly the word Salem, but I am saying King of Salem meant peace. And sometimes what sometimes what the devil means for evil, God wants to use for good. So stop thinking Salem, King of Salem. Oh, the Salem witch hunt, Salem, Massachusetts, witchcraft, evil. But start thinking of the word Salem as peace. Shalom. So we understand that Jesus is a represent is a fulfillment of the representation of Melchizedek, who was king of righteousness and king of peace. As we move on, Hebrews 7 3, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning or days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. This is Melchizedek without genealogy. And as you look at commentaries, as I research, it does not mean that he did not have parents, but his parents, his lineage, his genealogy was not important to be mentioned in Scripture. The importance was who Melchizedek was. And Jesus, though we understand the lineage, the line of David, when we look at God, we are more concerned about who he is, who Jesus is. Without genealogy, we don't have to say, well, aren't you a carpenter's son? Aren't you Mike and Sharon's boy? But we can say, wow, I want to live like Jesus. It says resembling the Son of God. I like how uh, another version puts it like the Son of God, like the Son of God. Well, why? what does that matter? What does that mean? Well, it means in Ephesians 5, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. This was our scripture, opening scripture last week. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant sacrifice to God. This is how we live like God. This is how we are like the Son of God because we imitate him and we walk in love 
as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If you want to live like God, then understand his plan for you and your life. As I mentioned, it's Wednesdays, the Bible Project, we're going through how to read the Bible. It's so important that we don't just read at face level or surface value, but we understand that Jesus is doing more. Now, we cannot state loud enough. I cannot share loud enough that this is not providing so many uh, structures and defining. What did you have to do? You had to... Um, uh, with a sentence, you had to break it apart with the, the subject, with the verb, with the adjective, with the adverb, and you had this like cool looking thing so you understood the sentence structure. But sometimes we get so wrapped up in the how that we just forget who is the Bible about. So I'm saying how to read the Bible is important, but always remember, it doesn't matter if you're a new Christian or a non-Christian. It doesn't matter if you understand everything the Bible says or not. It matters that you are reading the Bible because it's alive and active, but there are practical steps you could take. So it's more a both and, not an either or. And what does the Bible represent? Well, it represents the good news. What is gospel? It means good news. It's sharing the good news of Jesus coming into your life, Jesus intersecting your life. And I think that God is sharing with us that it's so important that we intersect people's lives to engage them in conversations in real life, uh, in real life, that we interact with them, that once people interject, there is from respect to trust. So we listen. And this is the good news of Scripture. This is what God is telling us, that we can be like that Melchizedek, who was a representation of Jesus, because he imitated Jesus, we can do the same. Hebrews 7, 4, and 5, just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who became priests, to collect a tenth from the people. That is from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descended from Abraham. What is this talking about? Well, research it. One quick point I want to bring out is the tenth. They gave him a tenth, a tithe. From Genesis, Scripture, God has told us the importance of giving to him. In the New Testament, we understand Jesus says we are a living sacrifice. We give all of our lives, 100% of our lives. But if you want to put a percentage, well, start with a tenth. This is where I talk about spiritual formation, and this is why it's so important that we understand what it means for spiritual formation. We need a foundation, which I would suggest is the Bible. That foundation grows in relationship, in communion, communion, community with Jesus through prayer. And then there's some sense that there is denial, which is development. It doesn't matter if it's fasting, fasting food, fasting a TV show, fasting something you enjoy so that you can focus that time on getting closer to Jesus, on understanding his will for you. Maybe it's getting away for a silent retreat. Maybe it's only taking a Bible and a pen and some paper so you can write down what God's telling you. And maybe you start with a prayer list that, you start, that turns into a to-do list. Then you throw that away, as I've mentioned in the past, I've done because I've had these thoughts of, you know, when I'm dead in 80 years, if they find my journals, maybe they will 
make that into a book one day. And no, I don't want them putting this in a book, publishing this. And then we forget why we're getting away to be developed, to grow into who Jesus calls us to become. Winning the War in Your Mind is a book I just finished, Craig Rochelle. I would certainly recommend that book. And it talks a lot about how we need to renew our mind based on scripture. And then this book now, I just began The Power of 1440. What is 1440? Is it a street address? Is it an amount of money? No, it's amount of time. We all have 1440 minutes in a day. How are you using those minutes? And as I said, are we using those minutes growing as a Christian in the community and fellowship of God as believers with one another, whether it's here online or in person? You can sign up at Living Hope Wesleyan Church at gmail.com, four o'clock at Hunger Mountain Christian Assembly. Living Hope has the opportunity to gather together. Quick plug for that. But as Christians, it is so important that we understand the discipline and the commitment that follows the grace and mercy of God, the salvation that we receive, but then making Jesus Lord of our lives, say that whatever you have for me, I'm going to do, whether it's denial of what we think is ours, money and time, our luxuries, our hobbies, that we give those back to Jesus. I'm reminded of what I was um, told a long time ago, If everyone had your commitment to this local church, how healthy would this local church be? If everyone had your same commitment to this local church, how healthy would this local church be? This is where we talk about tithe being a spiritual discipline. This is where we talk about commitment to reading God's word, to spending time in prayer. And if you are uncertain how to do that, then you can certainly gain from others. How? Based on scripture. Hebrews 7.4 gave him a tenth. Hebrews 7.5, the law requires to collect a tenth. Now, this is not a tithing sermon, but this is also uh, not one to say you don't have to tithe or follow the, um, the disciplines that Jesus tells us to do. This is saying that God wants us to act and behave in such a way that we can understand who he is. Earlier in Hebrews, we understood that suffering must come so that we could receive the promises that God has for us. Hebrews 7, 6 through 7, we find these words. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Blessed him who had the promises. When you suffer, when you go through what Jesus wants you to go through, understanding that Jesus is embracing you, Jesus is holding you through it, and you can find rest and you can abide in him. During those trials, we can know his promises and realize we've been blessed the entire time that we've had to endure these things. As we move on to Hebrews, this is 7, 8 through 10. We find in the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who was declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body 
of his ancestor. I want to go back to uh, this scripture, but I want to read it from the, the message paraphrase. We talked also about the importance of understanding what you read, and sometimes what you understand, you need to put it in words that make sense to you. And so you understand, but it can seem so complicated that how do we apply it to life? Well, I just want to read here where we find but this man, a complete outsider, collected tithes from Abraham and blessed him, the one to whom the promises had been given. In acts of blessing, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Or look at it this way. We pay our tithes to priests who die, but Abraham paid tithes to a priest who the scripture says lives. Ultimately, you could even say that since Levi descended from Abraham, who paid tithes to Melchizedek, when we pay tithes to the priestly tribe of Levi, they end up with Melchizedek, Melchizedek being a representation of the fulfillment of the law, that being Jesus, our Savior, who we make our Lord. This is good news. This is great news news. This is in Hebrews 7.12, for when the priesthood is changed, the law must change also. The law must change also. And so, in Matthew 5.17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I, Jesus speaking, have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law would, that would say you need to give and collect a tenth. Jesus is saying you aren't under the law anymore. We give with freedom. We deny ourselves with fasting to get closer to God. Not because somebody is saying you have to do it, but it's you get to learn from Jesus himself through his word, by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that we can know and understand how to live. This is only made possible because of what Jesus said and did. When he had received the drink, Jesus being on the cross, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We get to know Jesus because he said, it is finished. We get to have communion with God the Father because of his son's sacrifice, Jesus, who was talked about from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, the same story of good news throughout the entire scriptures, finishing in our Bible, how they're put together, the book of Revelation. Jesus said, it is finished. You now have abundant life. Choose how you will live and walk wisely because God is with us and he loves us. And we might dare obey him by giving a tenth or by fasting or by a retreat of solitude and understanding who Jesus is. The one that loves us, the one that came not to fulfill the law, but to abolish it by his strength, his mercy, his sacrifice. And because he said it is finished, we have life. We encourage you to understand God's foundation through scripture, his relationship through prayer and 
through spiritual formation, through the disciplines and commitment that we make. And that one question, if everyone had your commitment to this local church, how healthy would we be? How healthy would I be? How healthy would you be if we were more concerned about loving God and serving each other? I think we have a good start, but I think God has something so special. Well, as scripture says, we can't even dream, think, or imagine it. So it has to be good. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for loving us and your sacrifice. We thank you that it's not just a tenth that you give us to give others, but it's our entire lives because every minute of our day, those 1,440 minutes are not ordinary because you have given each minute life because we are alive in you. So Jesus, let us live extraordinary because you are just that good. We thank you, Father. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.